Hi, I'm Caleb. I'm Lisa. And I'm Sean. And this is Watcher Harry, the podcast for three drunk and a wait. The fuck. <laughs> keep keep going, keep going. Yes. The podcast for three obsessive and slightly drunk friends discuss the wider Harry Potter universe. Well um, and I, because I I've already cursed, but you should know that you shouldn't let your kids listen to this because there's going to be cursing and all kinds of stuff that children shouldn't listen to. Yeah, it's muddy. Yeah, love it. Um, hey Sean, please don't do yourself any favors while you're editing this episode and leave that in. Well, <laughs> I, ha- I have to because it's our only intro now. Our only intro. It's perfect. <laughs> What's everybody um, drinking? Yeah, um, I can go. Um, I found this beer in my fridge. Uh, Cute. Classic. called Young Blood Beer Co. And the beer is called Blame the Robots. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's from Madison, Wisconsin, because um, my roommate's parents are visiting. And so we have a lot of stuff from Madison, Wisconsin currently in my home. Um, and I haven't had it yet. What kind of beer? Wisconsin is, is a. It's a little sweet. What, what is it? What, what kind of beer was it? It's a hazy pale ale. Oh. Okay. Wisconsin's a beer state, y'all. Oh, yeah. I think Wisconsin doesn't get enough credit. I mean, it's because beer. Wisconsin already gets all the credit for cheese. Mm. Did they bring cheese? Oh, so much cheese. Oh, my gosh. Don't read the nutrition facts on cheese curds. That's my tip in life. Why would I ever read the nutrition facts on cheese at all? I don't know. I don't know, but I did, and I regret it every day. I mean, but did you really suspect it was going to be better? Yes. Oh, really? Cut cut this, yeah. (laughs) I don't want a cheese shame. I don't know. (laughs) Cheese curds, eat your cheese curds. It's good for you. It is good for you. It is good for you. Um, Sean, what do you... uh, Or are you not drinking because you've already been drinking? So I'm not drinking because I'm coming into this recording three cocktails deep already. And so I'm going to just kind of ride that wave for a while. Love that. I think last time this happened, you were hungover by the end of the recording. Yes, but that time I started drinking earlier in the day. I'm like real yeah. fresh right now, so I think it's gonna nice. at least last through the recording. Yes, I feel like last time you were like day drinking wine. I was. Yes. Day, I was. I was day drinking last time. So about halfway through, I was not drunk. I was deeply hungover. But now yeah, I'm still that's awful. Awful. Perfect. Perfect. So Caleb, well, what do you got? I am night drinking wine. It's um. Can you see that? I yep. got a. I got a Malbec with a llama on it. Oh, is it a llama or an alpaca? Uh, yay. I can't tell. I don't know why I'm looking at the label. Like, it'll tell me. I don't know. It's one of those guys. It's one of those giraffe sheep figures. Um, Perfect. We discovered Lytle recently. Uh, Oh, yeah. Little is the best. Little? Lytle? I don't know. I think it's Little. But But either way, it's the best. They got those Trader Joe's prices, mm-hmm. and yeah. it's like weird Eastern European shit. Um, mm-hmm. So I've been drinking just bottom shelf, little, little, and it's pretty good, decent. No I don't notes. Know if it is little, little is what they call it in Ireland. But I say little. The Irish are right. 
Yeah, who knows? No. Anyway, what are we chatting about? We're doing a deep dive. Hermione. Hermione. For, for my ninny. Hermione. Hermione. Uh, is this our first female character deep dive? It is. It's our first female character deep dive. Wow. Yeah. Which uh, is not super surprising because there actually aren't as many um, lead female characters in the Harry Potter series as uh, as there are male. Correct. Yeah. I feel like Hermione's kind of it, um, with the exception of maybe Ginny and Luna. And Ginny and Luna, I think you could do an episode about Ginny and Luna, but not maybe one singular episode about either one. Yeah, I mean, Luna's great. We've kind of briefly talked about her before and our love for her, but uh, Ginny is very much a sort of manic pixie dream girl within the Harry Potter universe and is just mm -hmm. simply not that interesting. Mm -hmm. And that's what the episode Sorry, would Ginny. be about. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. Which would kind of be a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but Hermione is a, a very interesting character that I, uh, just to get like, God, let, let, let's start with kind of like gut check reactions. What are what are your feelings about Hermione now as 32 year olds? Savage. Mm -hmm. I, uh, Too bad, bitch. She's wicked smart. She is very cool. She breaks a lot of rules. Um, so for me, like I read the books as a kid. And then mostly just watched the movies for, like, the interim decade. And I kind of forgot the substance of Hermione because just the films distill things. And then revisiting the books during COVID, I was like, oh, my God, she's a fucking badass. Um, and, like, she's breaking rules all the time. And she's saving their asses all the time. Um and she's way cool. Reading her as an adult, she was way cooler than I remembered her as a kid. That's so interesting because I feel like as an adult, I struggle a little bit more with her. <gasps> Tell us why. Um, As a kid, she was like extremely important to me. I think probably like both of you being a little bit like bookish, like mm -hmm. a, a smart child for my knee was very important. Um, I, I got like compared a lot to Hermione as a mm. kid as I think all probably bookish like smart little girls did yeah. um as an adult I find her a little bit disappointingly one-dimensional um interesting and, and that's something we can talk about more but I, I think when we when we look back at the characters that we've done deep dives on so like Ron um and Neville and a Hagrid uh, but especially like Ron and, and Neville, these characters that get to be really interesting and multifaceted, and especially with Ron, where they get to be flawed, I find Hermione's lack of the ability to be flawed a little disappointing. I hear that. I think for those other characters, they're more like secondary characters. We don't get a lot of like page time or screen time with them so it's kind of like acceptable that we don't have that much information and then when we do interact with them it's in really significant ways and then with Hermione 
And even with Ron, in the same respect, like we get a lot of time with them, but we don't have access to their inner worlds. So like, and then even in just like the, how the scenes play out, like Hermione always has to like leave and go to the girls dormitory, but then we still have more time with Ron and Harry to have these like deeper conversations and stuff. So I, I was thinking about this too today, like, I wish we had more access to Hermione's inner world. And that's kind of where fan fiction comes in. And I feel like a lot of Hermione lovers take to fan fiction to flesh that out. But we really just like, we don't get to experience her um, emotional world very much at all. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, Yeah, we maybe because Harry and Ron are so close, we get such a, a kind of a front row seat to Ron's struggles and like the way his character evolves which I think is why three of us feel really deeply about Ron and why especially as adults we've you know we've come to love Ron so much more um I think Hermione also suffers a little bit from clearly being a little bit of um a surrogate for JK or Mm. how JK Mm -hmm. sees herself and I think that's maybe also part of the reason that we don't get as much of a flawed um well-rounded character from her Mm -hmm. yeah I think that with with Hermione it's I I I still as an adult have a lot of love for Hermione I think I can see like I think I can I can fill in enough gaps from my own imagination that like I like she's she feels she feels pretty fleshed out to me in a way that's a little bit less one-dimensional um and a lot of that could simply be like Caleb to your point like a lot of, you know, a lot of fans do the same thing where it's just, you kind of like flush out characters a little bit more because you resonate with them. So you kind of round them out a little bit more. Um, and I think that with Hermione, one of the things that I always did like about her though, is that like, yes, she is a little one dimensional and that she's got like got that one thing. She's like, she's the smart one that saves the day. But she calls that out a lot, <laughs> you know, where she's like, like, I'm kind of sick of being the smart one who always saves your butts. Like, come on, guys. Step yeah. it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she's surrounded by morons. She's oh, I mean, very much. Morons. Yeah. Like, absolutely. And honestly, her biggest flaw is, is her friendship with Harry and Ron. That's her own fair. fault. That's fair. That's <laughs> fair. So, okay, before we, we dive too deep, um, I didn't do any research going into this recording. Did any? Did anybody do? Does it? Can anyone tell us about Hermione? Yeah, I mean, yeah. we can all tell you about Hermione, but uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a Lisa Pensive brain dump. I Those honestly are my favorites though. So I put some research together, and it was half-hearted. So Lisa, Ooh. I would prefer your version. Your little chat so, GPT version. Yeah. Do we wanna do we wanna just kind of do like a little a little a little Hermione summary, kind of how we used to do the other ones? We gotta go book by book and talk yeah. about what the book yeah, sure. about what they're up to. Great. So we first meet Hermione uh on the Hogwarts Express. Um she is walking around from train car to train car with Neville in tow, dragging him around to try to find Trevor the Toad. Wait, Lisa, can um, you talk- can you tell us Hermione's like background? Yeah. Yeah. So um we we learn we learn through this that Hermione Jean Granger uh 
<laughs> her birthday's in September, so it's coming up, team. Um, she's the oldest of the trio. We know this. Of um, course. Her parents are dentists. We we think both of them are dentists. That's mm -hmm. that's that's my understanding always of it. It just always says her parents are dentists. I'm not sure. Sweet. I would she's, love to know more. She's a September birthday. Have we ever done the the signs of our trio? We there's, have not. There's an episode. Very good. There's an episode. Is Harry a is Harry a Leo? That you is. know, I didn't even remember that that was a, an astrological sign, so I have no idea. What's the one before Cancer? Gemini. That's me. Harry Gemini's, might be Gemini. Gemini's June. No. It, it, oh, is it, he July 1st? Yeah. He's July so he's 31st. July. I think he's a Leo, which makes total sense. Yeah. I thought it was June 1st for a minute. Sorry. No, July 31st. And on, what's, what, and what's then her... Cancer starts, I think, on the 21st. Because my mom just misses it. She's also a Gemini, technically. What is Hermione's birthday? September it's 19th. It's in September something. Yeah, I don't remember. I'm looking at it. I up. think that's Virgo. Because my sister's a Virgo. And she's, she's a, 17. She's a Virgo. I don't know what that means. But it's... If it, if it's helpful, I can say yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, could you just say that? <laughs> when you say that, she is kind of like Becky in a way. So Becky's a Virgo. That makes sense. Yeah. Becky Fielding, shout out. Not a real Ooh. friend of the pod. She doesn't like Harry Potter. <laughs> she loves us though. Yeah, yeah. And we're still gonna call you Becky Fielding. So get over it. <laughs> <laughs> uh not my problem <laughs> pouring more wine <laughs> um anyway uh what i would love to know is the backstory of how her dentist parents came to meet like did they meet at like a dentist convention are they two dentists that work together at the same practice and they touch what if the, and what if they're rival like, dentist oh my god even better um, but yes, they're dentists, um, and Hermione, uh, with their dentist parents, has giant teeth, um, and so she's always been a little bit annoyed about that prospect. Um, Which, as, as like a bucktooth child, I always related deeply to Hermione's wow massive front teeth. Yeah, because in the movie we don't get that right. In the in the yeah. in the movies we get Emma Watson. Well, because Emma Watson is is simply like, too pretty to be Hermione. Right. Correct. Um, but she was kind of perfect as the cast because she's just like she's just so like sweet and like and rich. bookish, yeah, yeah. Um, but Hermione is described as like kind of like chipmunk face, like she's got like high round cheekbones, she's got like buck tooth, buck teeth, um, and we see we see that impact a little bit later on in the books, but um, as she's introduced she's kind of introduced as kind of this like she's she's out to prove herself for sure so she's coming across as a lot snottier um and just a lot like a lot more um i don't know like holier than thou is not the right term but do you know what i mean like yeah she's like she's like coming in across as like she's she's got to prove that she's better than everybody um and um, like clearly her parents are like successful um, and so and her parents were also really excited that she was a witch um, so like they're very she comes from very accepting parents um, as well um, but clearly has a lot of like pressure on her to do like the right thing and like do good things um, and be be smart and be the best um, whether that's imposed by her parents or imposed by herself 
probably a combination of both and mostly herself. <laughs> Imagine having two dentists as parents and wanting to yeah. enjoy like candy or anything uh-huh. fun. Yeah. Well, she doesn't, right? Because then she, she sends uh, <laughs> Harry like a package of like sugar free sweets for his birthday. Uh-huh. Yep. And she That's talks endearing. a lot about how she's like really excited to show her parents the like self flossing candy. Yeah. But she can buy at Honey Dukes. Um, so yeah, she's got like a pretty simple home life. Um, but it sounds like she's come from a really loving family. She's an only child. Um, so she's just got just got her parents. Um and um yeah and so her first friend is technically neville i think right she's she's dragging him around the train trying to find his toad mm-hmm. uh so this is hermione doing her very best to this is how i'm a friend and it's yeah. very it's challenging it's so i so i want to circle back to um her coming off as holier than thou and then also us meeting her like on a mission yeah because i really relate to that having been kind of a socially anxious and awkward kid i like um when i was in high at the end of high school i had a gym teacher say to me like we all thought you were a bitch because you were kind of avoidant but you turned out to be cool (laughs) once we got to know you she was a coach of mine so I was like grateful to hear that feedback she was like yeah you kind of like avoided people we thought you were just like thinking you were better and it was like no I'm deeply insecure and I'd rather be reading and if I don't have a job to do I, I, I don't know what I'm doing so I love that Hermione like seized on having like a job to do or like a thing mm-hmm. to save yeah with that that bossiness mm-hmm. was very much something that I had as a child mm-hmm. could see that yeah yeah I think as a child I was probably more on the wrong spectrum of like awkward friend making where I was like just kind of goofy and weird and so that like kind of worked in my favor to an extent um like was never going to be popular but was okay uh like like very well liked not very well liked I wouldn't go that far I would say people (laughs) like me fine (laughs) people like me fine enough um and uh, so, like, reading more about, like, Hermione and her, her like, up, like, like how she's a little bit, like, more standoffish, a little more uptight. Um, I didn't necessarily resonate with it all that much when I was a kid, but I, like, admired her. Mm. Yeah. Because I was just loud and weird. What did you admire about her, do you think? I think I admired the fact that she, like... She always seemed, even though now looking back as an adult, how clearly insecure she was and like anxious and not like great at making friends, she always seemed much more sure about what she wanted and where she's like, what, like what her, like how she was as a person than I ever was. Yeah. Even though now as an adult, I don't read that. As a kid, I did read that. Um, that's interesting. Yeah, she does seem like, I wonder if as a kid you were reading more of her front than her internal workings. Probably, yeah, I'm sure that's absolutely the case, you know, yeah. like, you know, how old was I when I was reading these books? Seven, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, like, 
who knows? Who knows what I was, I wasn't really reading too deeply into a lot of it. I just was like, oh, I like it, magic. Mm -hmm. Oh, a girl. Um, Sean, the bossiness. How did that land with you? I, did you identify as a bossy kid while you were a kid? Very much. I, I deeply, <laughs> deeply identified with Hermione in both that I, I was I was quite bookish. I was very smart. I was a huge bitch. <laughs> I was very um I was very passionate about the things that I thought were were right. Mm -hmm. Um I was so incredibly bossy. I was I was quite frizzy. I had yes. large teeth. Yes. I felt very connected to Hermione. <laughs> I actually had um I had a like a a, a lifelong friend um who a couple of years ago had actually messaged me and he was just like sean when i grew up reading harry potter he's like i did i did picture you when i read hermione wow <laughs> the highest it was like thank you, thank you thank you <laughs> that's so good wow what a mark you were making on people i really appreciate in your young that. life yeah that's really neat that's cool well, yeah, and you and like, you know, both of you growing up as like, you know, curly haired individuals, mm -hmm. right? Like Sean, a little yeah. bit less curly haired on your end than Caleb, but like, so curly haired. Y'all had y'all had more, much more of the hair than I ever did. Yeah, yeah, Lisa, you were blessed in that department with not having frizzy hair, I... but. <laughs> I fine. I mean, I was more that I just like I grew up with just like very like fine, straight, limp hair. Yeah, I had hair. It, it was like uh, I won't get into hair as a no. teenager, but no. Honestly, I now, actually now as an adult, sometimes like if I curl my hair and it's humid outside, I do step outside and like. I immediately have Hermione Granger hair. Like it's just, it's huge and it's frizzy and it's everywhere. Yeah. Um, Lisa, I never even connected my own hair to Hermione's hair. So that's very interesting to hear now. <laughs> <laughs> and now I cut it all off. It's getting long enough though that the ends are curled. It's starting to curl a little bit. It's like a duck duck butt they call it and it like <laughs> curls out from under your hat i'm getting it cut tomorrow anyway fair um, do you start to you can just like amy can just follow you around the house singing ducktales yeah <laughs> <laughs> do uh should we continue with hermione's life yes yes um so from there we go through a few we go through a few months technically of hogwarts where um, Hermione's kind of just like a side character. You can tell she's going to be important because they're spending way too much time on like establishing her character, like like character interactions. But like really, the focus is Ron and Harry for the first little bit. Um, and she's really presented as just kind of a point of contention and conflict for the boys most of the time. Um, she's not necessarily presented as somebody who they would intend to like form friendship. Um, like you're not really sure what kind of character she's gonna be um, if you, unless you know what the books are, which almost everybody did to an extent. Um, but um, yeah, it's not until, it's not until the troll in the dungeon scene. Uh, mm -hmm. There's a troll in the dungeon. Mm -hmm. um, oh no. Oh no. <laughs> 
uh, that Hermione, Ron, and Harry decide to be friends. Uh, because as was written, there's uh, certain things that you go through together and you can't come out the other end being friends or mm -hmm. other way around or something like that. You know, the line is something like that. It's like there's some things that you go through in life where you can't come out the other side without being friends. And apparently fighting a mountain troll was one of them. I think the lie was the, the, the yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the fact that she lied for them, uh, mm -hmm. which I, I'm going to take personal beef with. We're back in Lisa's beef corner. Beef corner. Beef Tell corner. us why. Beef corner. Cause oh my God, there would have been such a better lie for that. So like, many better um, lies. Uh, just so many you better taking lies. A poo. You I got my period. Like so many, so many reasons why you would be in the bathroom as a girl in the girl's yeah. bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. Like and, it, you just could have been like. I was in the bathroom. Mm -hmm. I was like, you didn't need to lie. You were just in the bathroom. I, I went yeah. to the bathroom and Harry and Ron knew I went to the bathroom. So they came to save me. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. you didn't need to lose points for Gryffindor. Mm -hmm. Like, come on, girly. Like, but so that's my beef corner. It's just, that's, that's Hermione's dumbest. Do you think she was a little more calculated than that? Do you think she was like, they will appreciate this self-sacrifice i don't i think she just made no. a dumb choice I... I think she was an 11 year old making up a lie on the spot <gasps> this is like her first what if this is like her first time lying to an authority figure ever and I'm then she sure just chases that, that high sure forever wow so we don't have to talk about this yet i actually have a i have a very serious hermione beef corner that is like one of my my biggest beef corners of the entire series. Beef corner. <laughs> but we can wait. Okay. I'm excited for Sean's beef corner. I want you to tell us when you feel like it's right. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then we follow the trio as their friendship grows throughout the year. Um, we know that um, this is another instance where we get less Hermione, more Ron is that Hermione almost always goes home and sees her parents for the holidays because she has parents. Um, and Ron has parents too, but for some reason he often stays behind with his family. I don't know why it never really seemed to make a lot of sense, but you know, whatever. Um, and uh, yeah. And this is the first time that the trio is faced with like heaps of adversity. Uh, this is the first time where uh, Hermione believes that a teacher can do harm hmm. um so what is she's, that time it's snape right oh, she yeah. is fully on board with the fact that snape is the one trying to steal the sorcerer's stone um without hermione of which they would never know they were trying to steal the sorcerer's stone she's yeah. the only one who figured that out <laughs> uh so uh yeah um with with that, I feel like you start to we start to build the complexity of Hermione a little bit, and just like where she was, where she thought she was supposed to be, and where she ends up. Um, this is where we get the famous uh, Ron and Hermione speech on the chessboard, you know, in the movies. You're like, <laughs> not me, not Hermione. No. <laughs> You're so good at that. Oh wait, no, hold on. We never actually were able to publish our board game episode. So actually, Lisa, can you? We, we recorded an episode that we weren't able to publish because it it's actually, canon. It, it is, it is, 
it unfortunately was um it translated better to a visual <laughs> than a, a, an uh an audio one but lisa gave us a phenomenal rendition of that line so lisa if you could maybe give that to us again please <laughs> yes um to paint the visual we had to give our best impression i just happened to have a tiny plastic horse on a bookshelf behind me for some reason i think that we found it on at a park uh and i pulled it off the bookshelf so that was me on the on the night chessboard um and it was not me not hermione you yeah. <laughs> so good goosebumps so oh good. my god <laughs> that was uh that was how i won that part of the game yeah lisa won um, 10 points for that i did i did uh for ravenclaw um so and then we have the 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 famous Harry Potter speech and she's like me books and cleverness All right that's my beef corner I was yes. going to wait but now we're here Yes 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 Lisa so, or I'm sorry Sean just pulled out a copy of which book is that This is this, this is, first is one. Sorcerer's Stone Very well um, so I, I make a lot of promises about linking to things in the show notes that I never do, but I did actually write an article about this for Bustle. Yes. Because I hate this scene so much. So I'm going to, all right. So basically Hermione and Harry have done the, um, the potions riddle to mm-hmm. get to the, the Which, final stage of the Sorcerer's Stone. straight up killed Harry. If Hermione wasn't because there. Because <laughs> Harry is such a fucking dumbass, but whatever. So basically there's just enough potion for one person to go forward and like get the stone and one person to go back and do whatever. So she's like, Harry, you're going to go forward. Whatever. So they like embrace. They're about to separate. And the quote, the quote is I'm showing them. I have a beautiful like illustrated version. It is lovely. Um, Hermione says, Harry, you're a great wizard, you know. I'm not as good as you, said Harry, very embarrassed as she let go of him. Me, said Hermione, books and cleverness. There are more important things, friendship and bravery. And oh, Harry, be careful. Fuck Harry. He is a dumb. He is a dumb bitch. And you have Hermione telling him that he is better than her because he's suicidally brave. I get so mad when I read this scene. Tell us more. What are Please you tell talk- us more about What this. are you talking about? Why, Hermione, are you putting yourself down <laughs> against this man who's the dumbest boy who's oh. ever lived? He is the boy who somehow still the dumbest, The dumbest boy who lives. He's the dumbest boy. <laughs> Chapter and, you, and you are going to say that all of your smarts, everything you have done to get them to this point is worth nothing because... This dumb, this dumb man has, you think he's braver than and, him? And also, well, he's yeah, the closer, you, though. You literally all just did the same shit together. Ron just sacrificed himself to yeah, a Yeah, Ron is, like, unconscious like, slash potentially dead. You are the know. only reason they have made it through any of this. Harry like, is coasting on like the skills of his friends, and you're gonna yeah. belittle yourself next to him. They would have died way back at Devil's Snare if it weren't for you, Hermione. It it is such a frustrating scene. Yeah, and I yeah. hate it so much. Yeah, it's I understand super fair. that. 
And also, Harry was like a supple veal calf. He was like yes. willing to go the distance. And Hermione was the like, use of the oh word supple. Boy. I don't love the use of the word supple in this uh, instance, but fine. <laughs> he was willing to go the final distance to face fucking Snape or whomever. And Hermione was like, I'm I'm good on that. You thank you for doing you, that. Because you want to I did why? this. Because she's smarter than him. She, she is smarter. Preservation. And I'm not passing judgment at all, nor am I trying to argue, really. I'm just saying, like, she was, like, giving him some kudos for... She was, like, gassing him up to go sacrifice <laughs> she's, himself. She's, she's willing to sacrifice Harry and for the yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, honestly. That's she's like going to make her a good minister for magic. She's like, I yeah. love this. I love this for you. But I just solved this puzzle, and I'm good. And I'm love it, love and light on your journey. <laughs> yeah, and we will always remember your name, Harry. Okay, Potter. eat, pray, love, goodbye. <laughs> yeah, so, like, but I understand. Like, Hermione didn't know Maybe. that millions of people were going to read that line of her guessing him up, so. Yeah, even <laughs> She's as, trying to yeah. make him feel better. Also, even yeah, as, like, maybe a... she was just, like, full gaslighting him. Like, just, like... <laughs> Even that as, was like, her an, first official manipulation, which we even, know she's capable of. Even as like a nine-year-old child reading this book, I was like, that's not right. That's not right. Yeah. I agree. Beef corner. I like that beef corner. That's a good beef that's a corner. Great, that's a great beef corner. And will you please link that article? Because yeah, I want to like I'll find out I want to like dig into your perspective and hear more about it. Where were we? Okay. We were on, I think we we're starting book two. Yeah. So do we want to run through her every book or do we want to just give the big like, I don't know, like top. Like, like, sweeping. Uh, yeah. Give, yeah. Just kind of the big sweeping. I think for me, it's just a little bit easier to remember it if I segment yeah. it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think the book so, is that we get the major Hermione shift? Ooh, the major. I think book three. I would agree. I think it's Ask yeah. I think it's when she punches Malfoy. Should we talk general arc? from one to book three and then why it's a turning point yeah i mean i think and i think book three is such a turning point for her because she's already unraveling right um like she's tried to take every subject the school offers uh she's tried to do it in a way that is unconventional obviously she's redoing hours she's getting very little sleep she is yeah, she's just she's unraveling. She's exhausted. She's tired. Well, you shouldn't um, give a thirteen-year-old time travel. No, no, no. You should definitely not give a thirteen-year-old the ability to do time travel. That is a fact. This is where I wish we could have more of her internal world. Yeah. Like, what is actually driving this desire to like overachieve or overcompensate? Because right. we can read it as trying to prove that you're worthy of like this wizarding world or it's like maybe she has this real internal drive to like truly acquire knowledge i just i just wish we knew her better i think it's i think it truly is with hermione the way that i read it most of the time is that she just wants to know everything like Mm -hmm. she wants to be able to know everything and learn everything and i think that that is where we get the biggest turning point from her is when she realizes she can't like she could but she doesn't need to um and she kind of really has to make that choice 
for herself and then dropped some classes. Yeah. I do do think it can't be discounted though, that as much as I think she has a real desire for knowledge, I do think there is a large part of her that feels like she does not belong in this world or she doesn't deserve this world. And I, I say this as a, uh, a deeply anxious type a personality and we you know um we see the the sort of Hermione as an outsider in um Chamber of Secrets when we have the the mud blood scene where she is mm-hmm. you know um where Malfoy calls her what is a we're sitting world slur against uh you know people who are muggle born and i i do think she has this thirst to prove herself as belonging to this world even though she is essentially an outsider in it mm-hmm. yeah and i think that like yeah and that's the biggest thing i think that happens to her in the second book where she is like for the first time kind of starting to experience the different levels of like prejudice amongst the communities um also you know house elves um start to become oh, yeah. like, at least like up front like not necessarily that Hermione she just hears about them for the first time from Harry um she doesn't start to she doesn't start to spew until the fourth <laughs> book but um she starts to like understand a little bit more about like it's kind of sets the seed of like her becoming uh like a welfare warrior you know mm. um and trying to like figure all of that out where she's you know just she's 12 she's 12 or 13 now at this point and she's just trying to figure it out she's hermione hermione with house elves was me wearing a save darfur sweatshirt every day oh, in high school <laughs> <laughs> it was like just some kind of inclination toward activism and an issue but no community no grounding into like how to do stuff like this just like a feeling and like it was like very important no and i i so feel for her yeah and and to to jump ahead because i actually do think the hermione spew house elf era is one of the more interesting parts of her character and a part that i find deeply relatable as um a a teenager who was both like highly idealistic and also like most teenagers just very powerless Mm-hmm. In the world of just having this, like, because Caleb, I, I was the same where I was like constantly like donating whatever pocket money I had to these various like far flung, um, you know, social causes or or whatever it was, because there there is where you're just like, I want to make the world better and I don't have any real power and I don't know how to do it. So I'm sort of just like investing deeply and wildly in these things that I really don't have an impact on. Yeah. yeah. But like, it is the only way that I can feel like I'm doing anything. And I, I actually, I loved her fervor and her, like her activism with, with spew, because to me that felt so true of being 15, 14 years old. <laughs> Agreed. And it takes bravery. <laughs> oh yeah, that's and like, like a I Gryffindor mean, thing. Yeah, I mean, and Hermione absolutely did not do herself any favors. Like, and I think this is always what I like admired about her was that like she went, she kind of like I think she was like pretty insecure about a lot of things, but like she just also kind of didn't give a fuck, you know? Mm-hmm. She was like that 
she was that kid in class that's just like yeah i'm fucking weird but i'm not gonna do anything about it i'm just gonna lean in a little is there i agree with that and i wonder if you all relate to this idea there's like a thing that comes with being a really smart kid that's like even if you are pro-social you're still a little bit of an individualist. Like you still feel mm-hmm. a little, you feel a little isolated because oh, yeah. you're mm-hmm. picking up on things other people aren't picking up on. Yeah. And you have a certain maturity and ability to relate to like worldly issues that other kids your age don't. And I wonder if that's that thread that like we picked up on. With Hermione. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so true. I mean, I think like, I think that that's where like, I differed from her a little bit in the way that like, I was a very weird kid. And I cared that I was weird. And And that just made me way weirder. Yeah, by trying not to be weird. Yeah, like, and I just like, and it well, like, you know, and I was always like, I was like the kid, like, I was like the kid in like gifted and talented. And Mm -hmm. like, when those programs existed and the like higher level math programs. And I was like, I guess I'm just like, I guess I'm just a, a nerd. I don't really know what I, what I am. But were <laughs> you the kid who would talk to your friend's divorced mother about how she's doing? <laughs> <laughs> that is no, but I, I did often hang out. I was often on first name basis with my friend's parents. <laughs> while my other friends weren't because I would hang out with them. <laughs> so I think where I felt the most like Hermione especially as like a slightly older teenager was again I I was very studious I was very much a rule follower but like I feel like when you get to a level of of being really studious and being really smart and being a real rule follower you also develop this like deeply chaotic streak yeah like where like every once in a while you just kind of explode and like you're like a real bitch to your teacher or just like you have decided on something and like you become a problem and that is very much how I was as like a high schooler yeah that tracks a lot they let you in too deeply to their like adult shit And then, and then suddenly you reveal to them that you're 17 and you Uh only have the maturity of a 17 year old and it's chaotic. Yes. Yeah. Like you just like, you have to like quickly, cause you, and that's definitely (laughs) like, that's such a thing where it's like, I feel like, cause you're like teachers, teachers liked you a little bit more than other students. Pleasure in class. Cause your humor was, cause your humor was elevated. Uh It was smarter. It was more adults. It yeah. was better. Yeah. Like you could have an adult conversation, but you were a chaotic idiot. Yeah. I'm describing all three of us. Oh, exactly. And all of our closest friends too. And just yeah, like it's a thing. And, and every once in a while, because like you were also such a like a smart ass, and then just like something would happen and you'd just be like a real cunt about it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know, and I think it like certainly came from me, like where like my my I always knew that my dad's like favorite kids were the kids that were like kind of a smart aleck right like the kids that were like smart enough should be getting straight A's probably aren't getting straight A's because they're just kind of like a shitty kid but like they're smart and they're funny and like those are always like my dad's favorite students and 
So I like learned from a young age that like, that's the best kind of kid to be. Mm-hmm. And so then, and I was already like a little bit smarter than everybody. And so it was just, I never really thought about the chaos factor. Okay. And now I'm running through all of the ways that I blew up my life as a high school student. <laughs> yes. So like in like the fifth book, when we have the umbrage scene where she's just like, I read the fucking book. Yeah. Like, yep. That's, Good. I mean, at, except the difference was like umbrage was an evil teacher and I was just terrorizing very normal, probably kind people. They, um, That's- funny they made me the student liaison to the school board and then i let a walkout yeah that was a mistake i let a walkout (laughs) yeah and like gave a speech with a bullhorn in the stadium and like wrote to the town newspaper about the school board budget cuts they shouldn't have done that it was like they forgot and then they would be like we're gonna pull the plug on the microphone if you say anything weird at high school graduation <laughs> we're gonna pull a fucking plug right um, because they yeah. they, for, they forget that because mm-hmm. you're 16 and you're really smart you're also deeply deeply 16. cruel because you're and yeah. crazy because you're a 16 year old yeah and you just need to feel alive so this is making me appreciate hermione more because this is what's yeah. happening off page is like well, she is a young woman who has a sense of herself and is smarter than the people around her. And she's like, come the fuck on everybody. Yeah. And like, it's so clear where like the way that she, the way that she interacts with her professors, right? Like with, she, she respects, she respects authority in like such a, in such a large, like such a broad sense, except for when she feels like she doesn't have to, right? Like, like for Umbridge, because like Umbridge isn't a teacher in her eyes. So or like Trelawney, or Trelawney, or like these people that she is yeah. just like so, and like, and it's not adults across the board, right? Like mm-hmm. we haven't even gotten to what she did to Rita Skeeter yet. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah, she doesn't have a fourth. The fourth wall is broken between her and the instructors because she's oh. probably honestly like smarter than a lot of them as people, right? But she has respect for, like, of course, McGonagall. Because, yeah. God, who wouldn't have respect for McGonagall? Right. Um, Like, she has respect for Sprout. She has respect for Professor Flitwick. Like, she has respect for a lot of these teachers. The, like, she has respect for the core teacher. She even has respect for Snape. Mm-hmm. Like, you as know, she, like... As she should. Right. It's like, it seems um, like she has respect. If they're upholding their end of the social structure, she's correct. upholding hers. But as Absolutely. soon as they break the agreement, she's like, mm-hmm. I fucking see you. And then in, an, in another way, right. in another way, I deeply identify with Hermione Gilderoy Lockhart. She's just like, you're so hot. Mm-hmm. So I do have respect for you. I mean, I don't, <laughs> yeah. but like, I do like, there's like that's a different the most, kind of respect. That's the most like tween age thing to happen to her, right? Where this fucking absolute moron is coming into class absolutely not holding up his end of the bargain in terms of authority and teaching and she's still just swooning over him because he's handsome i I love that that. for her i love 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 it that's nice everybody needs that you know she's a lot to be human like she right everybody needs that kind of like 
inappropriate crush that's like not real and like <laughs> it's well, not gonna serve you in any way. <laughs> one thing about Hermione Granger, she loves a himbo. She, she loves, loves she's, and you know what? It's because she is smart enough for the both of them. I and yeah. that I get that. I love that. She is just like I want a hot dummy, and I think that's mm -hmm. correct. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, she nails it. I mean, come on, like international Quidditch sensation. Who she's just not that into. Who she's just not that into, oh. but who is in love with her? Yeah. Amazing. So good. It's so good. It's so good. Um, yeah, no, Hermione, I think when I think her I think we start to like see her arc in the second book to an extent, but like it's really it's really book three that drives the point home. And then from there on, she's just kind of this like fucking badass savage bitch. Mm -hmm. Just keep going. Yeah, she's like shielded by her academic performance. Right. Yeah. Do you think her smarts give her a big head that like allow her to break rules a little more? Or do you think she's just smarter about breaking rules for the rest of the series? Actually, like, I don't think she's stuck up. No, she I, I think I think that she she could have been, but she... I, I think she uses her smarts to her advantage in breaking rules, but I don't think she feels like her smarts give her permission to break rules, if that makes gotcha. sense. Definitely, yeah. yeah. I agree. Um, I also, I had a point, and now it's... Um, I'm so sorry if I knocked you off your point. What was that turning point in the third book that you were getting to? Yeah, well, we'd already talked about that. It wasn't the do with that. I can't remember now. Then she punches Malfoy. Oh, she punches yeah. Malfoy, yeah. And also just like the general unraveling of her mental state, I think is like, mm -hmm. you know, it gives her, it, it feels like it gives her a little bit more, uh, I think she feels a little bit more empowered to understand that like, mm, she does have the, like, you can break rules and sometimes breaking rules is the right thing to do. Mm. Especially with rescuing Sirius. Okay, so Time Turner, um, it's like Hermione came into this magical world and was so, like, invested in learning magic and the limits of magic and everything that it could do. And then she pitted her own human limitations against magical limitations using, like, a really con intense and controlled magic, which is time travel and she f came up against it and found herself like not up to par like she was physically exhausted she was not eating enough she was like falling asleep in the common room she's not on top of her shit she wasn't herself she wasn't having any fun and that seems like a significant turning point in itself where she learns about the edges of the power of magic and, like, even she, Hermione Granger, can't, like, push magic so far. Yeah. I take beef with one thing about Hermione not being able to see, see, succeed with the time turner. I personally liked that she wasn't able to succeed with the time turner. Like, that, like it made her human. You know? It, like, it, it, she's not perfect. Um, I take beef with two things with her academ academic career. 
The first one is the implication that Percy Weasley is up to par and Hermione is not. Percy had a time to Percy had, Percy got 13 OWL, so he had to have had one. I'm sorry. But what? it is not canon that he has one. It's not canon that he has one, but he did have 13 OWLs when Hermione only had 11. Wow. So the implication is that Percy also took every single class, which would have mean, meant that he would have had to have had a time turner. By the way, if you want to know more about time travel, please do see our our time travel episode where we talk extensively one. about time turners. Yeah, we won't put them in the show notes. We won't. You should just look for it. Yeah, fuck it. <laughs> Another thing that we won't be doing for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, yeah, so I, I, I find beef with that. With the implication that Bill and Percy Weasley are more capable than Hermione at something. It's Granted, simply not true. It's just simply untrue. Like Percy Weasley, fine. I actually kind of understand why he could kind of go for it because he's just kind of like a dweeb who doesn't really have any friends and just like all he had was was school. Um, whereas, but like Bill, Bill's cool. Bill has friends. It's less believable that he would have 13 OW Wells in my opinion, but supposedly he did. Um, so who knows? Um, that's my first beef. My second uh, beef is with, oh, continue. I want to add to that beef. Yeah, You're telling me that two Weasleys could have a time turner and that shit wouldn't trickle down to Fred and George. There was not no gossip. Not, not possible. possible. Not possible. Well, it does make sense because they wouldn't have like been in the same they wouldn't have been there really at the same time. I know like technically time frame says that they would, but like we know that the time frame is fucked up and not real anyway. So like mm -hmm. I, I don't see them at Hogwarts at the same time. Mm. Um with Percy though, yeah. Yeah, there's no way they wouldn't have stolen that from him and fucked some shit up and like immediately. And like, mm -hmm. who's to say that they didn't? They're so smart. They would have figured out he was up to some shit. They would have looked at his class schedule because they would have wanted to know when to avoid him so they could do their own right. bad shit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the Weasley twins are the smartest people in the entire series. Like, 100%. Yes. yes. Like, they, yeah, they can rule the world. So, Fred and George. They might have found it, and then the whole the whole back end of the book series that's just about Fred and George stealing. Yeah. I'm, sure. I'm sure there's a fanfic. Oh, most definitely. That. Or if there's not, someone write it. Um, but uh, then my second beef is Hermione's OWL in general. Oh, like, the DADA. Yeah, I'm sorry. Like, so bad. On Hermione would have gotten an outstanding. There's a 0% chance that she wouldn't have gotten an outstanding. I don't mm -hmm. care who you are. What questions did she get wrong? Prove, show me. Mm -hmm. Show me. Was it the practical application and was there a bias involved? Like, come <laughs> on. Well, like, I because... guess that the whole point is to say that like, Harry, no, shit, not true. Harry is simply not better at anything than Hermione. No, it's just untrue. And is it because he was able to make a Patronus? Do, are only people who can make Patronuses allowed to get outstandings? Because I think that's bullshit. Also, that she bullshit. can literally make a Patronus. It's an honor. I know. 
And mm-hmm. he even jokes at the end of the book that's like it's the only spell that she's ever had trouble with. And like, cool. That means that she's perfect at all the other ones. Mm-hmm. I also hated, I think it's in the third book when they have um so their like final uh defense against the dark arts exam is like that obstacle course kind of thing. Oh, and her where it's like she does really well McGonagall. until she gets to her boggart, and it's like McGonagall being like, She only got like a nine out of ten on her homework. I fucking hated that. That was yeah. so obnoxious. Yeah. Well, I think it was fears. that McGonagall. I think it was that McGonagall told her she failed all her classes. Whatever Tell it was, I was exams. like, first of all, like my girl wouldn't Still. believe that. Yeah, although we know how tired she was. She was really tired. So but it, it felt like this, a cheap it felt like a cheap joke. I hear oh, that. I agree. I 100 percent agree. That. I don't think it's super believable. But if it was gonna believe be believable at any point, it would be when she is like unraveling, which is that's currently fair. where she was. And it goes to sh- like later on, it would probably would have been like your parents have been killed by these wizard Nazis. But at this point, she's so exhausted, she's just consumed with her yeah exams. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, real sorry, real quick. Can we jump ahead to the seventh book? Where Hermione has to make her parents forget she exists to protect yeah. them. Really fucking terrible. Really horrible. We really like horrible. the book does not really linger on that, but that is <clears throat> incredibly traumatic. Yeah. It is the thing that stops Harry in his tracks, though. Like it is that like where they start talking about uh where he's like, well, I'm leaving without you. You aren't coming with me. And Hermione's like, I'm sorry. You think we don't know what we're getting into? Just fucking wait. Like, and then just like fully, like basically just goes, hold my beer. Mm-hmm. And then just like <laughs> goes, it like tells this devastating story. And it's the thing that like stops Harry in his tracks. And he's just like, oh, y'all are okay. The, the fact that you're probably going to die. Okay. Yeah got it and then like you know it's just like devastating yeah yeah one thing i just rewatched the movies recently and going back to what i said earlier about kind of forgetting the book and replacing it with the movies in the movie um when she erases their memories one it's like truly a one minute scene but they just and like, it's Catelyn Stark. It's Catelyn Stark, yeah. They just, yeah, yes. They just repl- they erase like Hermione's image from uh-huh. all of these photos, even leaving some blank photo albums. It's very um, like a Back to the Future. It is. Ve- yeah. It's exactly Back to the Future, uh, but in actuality, she like rerouted their whole lives so that. You they them thought, to Australia. Australia. Yeah, yeah. They, they wanted to move to Australia their whole lives and they had different names. Like mm-hmm. that is the most wild sacrifice. And then in that prolific fan fiction I read for the fanfic episode, go listen to it. She wasn't able to get their memories reversed. So and that's uh in, crazy to this think about. Is the only thing that is the only good that JK has done in her like rambling uh is that she did say that Hermione was able to find her parents and oh, get her parents back. Thank God. Thank God. Oh, we're just like and lost I, to the outback. I yeah. prefer <laughs> I, I prefer uh I prefer this one and I, I'm gonna I would like to vote for Canon uh that Hermione got her parents back. 
I would sleep better if I knew she had her parents. Yeah. Yeah. Hermione deserves to get her parents back. Like she loves her parents and her parents really love her. And that is why she sent them there in the first place. Her parents sacrificed so much for her silently the entire series. There's like the really sad, I think it's the fifth book when they're all returning to Grimald place and Hermione shows up instead at the Grimmauld place instead of at uh, going on vacation with her parents. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh my God, her parents instead are kind of, of devastated. She makes like skiing. an offhand comment. She's like, my parents are pretty disappointed, but skiing's not really my thing anyway. I was like, girl, you never get to see your family. Her <laughs> parents are just sitting at home like... <laughs> <laughs> no, like her, <laughs> Hermione does really turn her back on her muggle life. Yeah, absolutely she does. I'm I am always curious because we get to see a, a small glimpse into like Harry's muggle upbringing right where he kind of always said like he didn't really have any friends because Dudley's gang of friends always made sure that he didn't have any um but like that's probably not true for Hermione right like we know she's weird and she was always a little bit like too anxious and too bitchy to have friends because she didn't know how to make friends uh but but she still had some. She had some muggle life. Also, she probably has more family than just her parents. Like she probably has some cousins yeah. and like some aunts and uncles. Unless this is just like a one child family for they back do, for generations and generations. They do strike me as um John Cabot's family in my big fat Greek wedding. Mm. John Corbin, John Corbin's family. The fiance. So I, John Corbett. I imagine Hermione's parents as the parents in my big fat Greek wedding of the fiance. (laughs) Just like no other children, no other family, just like dry toast. But to your point, John Corbett, I think is the name. Um, She must have had a life. And I I wonder if um, the like rupture between muggle and wizard life kind of like coincides with becoming a teenager of like well you just don't understand and like, like, it's also my, puberty yeah like my friends at school like you just don't get it and and I wonder if that played a role in it because like imagine having to explain fucking everything imagine trying to talk to your parents about your career ambitions right. when they're dentists in the muggle world like damn right they don't have like and they're gonna try their best to give like the best advice but then also she has to write fucking letters to her parents like Uh, i I still think that's the funniest shit ever like why isn't there just a payphone at hogsmeade just put a payphone just put a payphone there so that the muggle kids can call their fucking parents like my god they're not like getting scrolls delivered to them if if i were at hogwarts and like my father received a scroll for me he'd be like i'm not reading this bullshit yeah no i'll see her when she gets back like come on like i feel and i also do feel a little bit like some of our american is showing in this because like we're kind of horrified by the fact that these muggle parents are letting their daughter go away for such long periods of time Boarding school is like a much more common thing um, in the UK than it is in, in America. So I think that like a little bit of that is is just like a, a cultural difference. But they still 
there's like parents weekend and shit at boarding schools mm -hmm. like what the fuck like if hermione was in the triwizard tournament could her parents not come or would they constantly just have the urge of like trying to leave you know? <laughs> like, oh, i forgot why i was here i left the oven on root canal <laughs> i've gotta go why are we it's, in this dilapidated old building it's this gotta, it must have something to do with the muggle connection like i'm surprised there's not like a muggle student or i'm sorry what are you called when you're a muggle student a uh, muggle born a muggle born counselor or like muggle born no. parent yeah no, I wasn't asking for the slur. Just like some <laughs> kind of like, <laughs> some kind of like me? bridge Are program. Me? Are you kidding me? I am. I must be kidding about, you. Are, Hogwarts does not care about the welfare of their students. Not even a little bit. Like, not even. They're that actually be, trying to get these kids murdered. That should be Trelawney's new new role. Is a uh, Muggleborn. Could you imagine Trelawney? Amazing. Trelawney is the one trying to ground you in the Wizarding world. There's a fanfic. That's a good. That's a good thought. That's a good thought. <laughs> I love good that. Lord. Um, yeah. Um, but I think that like so Hermione just. I feel like Hermione just has that like she finds that balance of good versus rule following like doing good versus following the rules line and she really walks it mm -hmm. i think like should we talk about rita skeeter sure don't worry she did to rita skeeter so does anybody want to take this one away uh I mean, Honestly, you know, I, you know, no. I love Rita Skeeter. Yeah. So, so obviously we spend um, much of the fourth book with Rita publishing um, kind of sordid tales about Harry. Uh, Hermione ends up being involved in them. She sort of publishes that Hermione is in this love triangle with Harry and Crumb Um. This earns Hermione the the ire of the the witch population um, because it's in some very popular like witch magazines, including Mrs. Weasley, including Molly, who Molly. It, that's a little it's a little ridiculous, but she receives a very small Easter egg from Molly, which I love how they <laughs> describe that everyone else gets a dragon size Easter egg and Hermione gets like a chicken size Easter egg. Um, still put in the effort to make her one <laughs> just to make it right me. because like she's like I can't not send her one but like I'm gonna make her know she's I'm pissed at her um oh, funny. but so Hermione becomes very obsessed with figuring out how Rita is um spying on everyone at Hogwarts how she's getting these scoops how she's hearing these personal conversations that um Hermione is having with Crumb um, and it's basically the one who uncovers the fact that Rita is an unregistered um, Animagus. Um, and in a a truly wild card, we're talking about a chaotic streak. She, uh, re so Rita, um, her uh, like animal counterpart is a beetle. And Hermione traps her in a jar and holds her hostage. 
for quite in some time. In an unbreakable time. jar, so she can't even transform and rescue herself. So, um, Rita is like the is now living the anamorphs nightmare of being trapped <laughs> as a bug for quite some time. While this 14-year-old holds you hostage in an unbreakable oh, jar. And like, Amazing. what's the timeline on that? It's gotta be like a month. Oh, it's weeks. Yeah, no, it's quite several weeks. It's several weeks. Um, and then uh she continues to to blackmail Rita for the next book, basically being like, if you don't publish whatever I say, I'm gonna report you to the ministry and you're gonna go to Azkaban. That's fucking amazing. Which is crazy. Yeah, this like 16-year-old girl ruined this woman's career. But you know what? As a an incredible bitch at 16, I I get it. I would have given the opportunity, I would have had the same thought process. <laughs> it just but like straight up kidnapping. Yeah, I yeah. I also would have been like I'm going to ruin this woman's life. You would have done it. Rita? Rita? Yeah. I can't imagine I can't imagine Rita ever transformed again due to PTSD. Like I mean, mm-hmm. my girl Rita was- is mentally very strong, I believe. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. A month locked in a jar in the darkness would break anyone. A month. A month? It is a long time. At least. I think. At least several weeks. Yeah, we don't know when she got released. We don't know what that looked like. I mean, it's just making me think of all the con women podcasts I'm listening to where they go to prison and they get out and they do it again. So I think she might do it again. Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) I mean, locked in prison is different than locked in a jar. A jar. That's true. That's true. Locked in a jar as a bug. (laughs) Like, a jar where you can't even use your magic. Very frightening. Terrifying. Uh, yeah, so that's the that's the most horrific thing Hermione does, I think. Uh, that's pretty tough. I mean, I think it's the, the closest thing to, like, a war crime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She is I the mean, one that definitely comes the closest to. Co- she oh, she commits the most felonies. I yeah. think she has plausible deniability because there's no registered ladybug. She just caught a ladybug. I think I if know. you look at the, the things the characters do, Hermione has the most reason to be like tried in the Hague. Oh, one hundred percent of all of them. <laughs> Should we list her crimes? Yeah, that's fun. Let's list her crimes. Okay. Should we start with small? Or with large? Uh, oh, should small. we start small or large? Let's just fucking Off just the list cup. them out. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Uh so yeah, dropping Rita in a jar. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. number one. Remember um, when she puts that like pox curse on um what's oh, her name in the, the DA? Sneak- curse yeah yeah. that's pretty fucked up that's pretty fucked up no one could remove them she's that that, girl had to live with that that girl's disfigured for life her life yeah there will be no accountability for that which 
thinking about Hermione made me think about there's no accountability. And there was yeah. You know what? That might be worse than Rita Steve. Yes. <laughs> yeah. um, that girl's disfigured. Yeah. She's disfigured. Um, do you remember when she gives uh we actually just talked about this in the last episode, when she gives umbrage to the centaurs and heavily <laughs> yeah, implied she that, that she's sexually assaulted. Yeah. 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 That's certainly really fucked up. That's really fucked up. Uh, but also pretty radical. She saved the day. Um, True. And uh, Umbridge is the worst. Um, she set her teacher's robes on fire. She set Snape on fire. Good. She did help smuggle an illegal dragon out of the country. Yeah. Oh, that's one of my favorite Hermione storylines. Maybe we could touch on favorite Hermione storylines after crimes. <laughs> to get um, us refreshed. Yeah, what other what other crimes does she got going on? She brewed like, in the illicit juice potion. Yep, that's true. Yep, as a twelve year old for two months. And and she, I mean, puts her friends in serious danger except that potion had not gone well. Yeah. 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 And she stole like a lot of uh, a lot of supplies from Snape. Yeah. I think she might do the most crime. No, she yeah. absolutely does the most crime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or it's she's like, at least the brains behind the crimes. Like, But in... you know what? No, that girl, she commits them. If she is coming yeah. up with the idea, she, she is going to follow through. That's true. That's true. She, like, in Prisoner of Azkaban, she, like, comes up with how to get Ron and Harry into... Breathe a felon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Free's a felon. <laughs> you know, I know Harry's there too, and it was Dumbledore's idea, but she executes. Yeah. She keeps them on task. Uh, she comes up with Dumbledore's army. She does. Yep. So she well, starts an she illegal student concept, group. But I think uh, Ginny comes up with the name, yeah? Well, right, but she she speaks it into being. Oh, And yeah, she 100%. pretends, she like does it go this way where they're like, we should do this group? It could be like this. Harry, you should do it. She like pretends uh-huh. that that wasn't the intent yeah. the whole time. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. She's like, no, oh, I may have no. told a few people and then like 25 people show up and he's yeah. like, Hermione, what the fuck? Um, she storms out of divination and says, fuck this core class. Oh yeah, she's a huge bitch about that subject. Yeah, yeah, she's not great. Um, yeah, I mean, and then just like, I mean, again, Harry and Ron are there, but man, breaking into the ministry and freeing all the Muggleborns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, badass. She, and I mean, like, she's not always wrong, but she does a lot of crime. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of crime. There's a lot of crime. It's like she, she has a moral code. And it's not always like book one. She's always like, oh, worse, expelled. But by the end of the book, she's like, fuck it. Let's get expelled. Yeah. Yeah, because laws are arbitrary and don't always uphold the moral code. Yeah, I would not say that she is all she's not a lawful good. She's a little bit more of a chaotic good, which is fun. Oh, yeah. I would give her chaotic good. I think that's true. That's brilliant. I think that she 
she is incorrectly thought of being lawful good, and that's simply not true. It's simply not true. She is not a lawful good. At minimum, she's a neutral good, but I think she's more of a chaotic good. I would say Ron and Harry are more neutral goods. Where do you think the impression Ron is a neutral good. Harry is a lawful good. Harry's a lawful good, I think. Oh, Harry. That's his weakness. He needs a chaotic good um, to succeed. Where Where do you think the impression of Hermione as a lawful good comes from? I think she's from being like smart and bookish. That, that like rule following tendency that she gets in the the early books, but I agree. I think she's clearly out of the trio. She is the most chaotic character by Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I do too. I think, yeah, and like we know she's chaotic. I mean, come on. We just talked about her taste in men. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. <laughs> Is Crumb a chaotic taste in men? Oh, I mean, no, because she's like 15 and like there's this like 18 year old superstar in love with her. You know, it makes sense. But like, you know, still. Ron is a chaotic choice. Yeah. But I, I, and I know we I think we've already covered this in the Ron episode. You guys should go back and listen to. But I, I am still a big Hermione Ron supporter. Oh, I love Hermione Ron. Don't get me wrong. I'm I am yeah. a full full here for Hermione and Ron. But he's still a chaotic choice. I think she's choosing uh fun pillow talk and yeah. a life of like not having to have too much sex because he's eaten a lot and just like um no, he's a Weasley. Good family. Oh, you're he's right. A Weasley, he wants to fuck all the time. You're right. You're right. You're right. I don't care yeah. how much he ate. He's ready incorrect. To go. Yeah, we right. we've we've talked about this many times. The Weasleys yeah. are incredibly fertile. You're so yeah, the Weasleys, right. The Weasleys fuck. Wow, I never Across even the board. I never even factor that into nah, but Percy even fucks he's with he was fucking Penelope Clearwater all over the school I believe Percy fucks unfortunately no, he does like objectively he was like sneaking out of closets with her all year the Weasleys are just like a very horny bunch oh no Lisa I believe you I'm just thinking again of that fan fiction where he's gay <laughs> <laughs> so and he's still Penelope's fucking. his beard oh yeah definitely definitely fucking Still fucking. Yeah, can't stop, won't stop. stop. I want to first note. So I want to ask you guys about your favorite Hermione moments. But I first want to talk about the Gringotts break in and dragon. Because I don't want to overlook that in our rule breaking. Oh, stole a dragon. That's a good one. This is like the coolest fucking thing Hermione's ever done, in my opinion, where she's like, I, I don't remember how we got to the point, but she's like, no, oh, but no, it was we're Hermione's gonna, idea. We're gonna ride it out. out. Yeah. yeah. And that's fucking badass. And that's like zenith of like Hermione rule breaking moments to me. Because oh, the boys are like, damn, okay. <laughs> hmm. And I think I think one of my favorite moments, my favorite Hermione moments, and I didn't like it as a kid, but I loved it as an adult, um, was when Ron comes back after leaving them and she's pissed. 
She's not happy to see him. She's not like, oh, thank God you came home. She is pissed and she makes him work for it. Yeah. And I read like, go ahead. good. <laughs> I read a, a thought piece about her online today about like how she doesn't respond to moments of vulnerability with sadness, but with anger and how that's an example of her responding with anger instead of, Relatable. yeah, yeah, like her walls come up, but it's because she was feeling vulnerable or sad, but she <laughs> Maybe she grew up on the East Coast. Yeah, maybe she did. <laughs> Although I guess the East Coast is a little bit more more British than the rest of the U.S. Anyway, <laughs> do you think so? Oh, yeah, it is actually. That's a good point. A really but good I th point. I I think that's what's so like when Ron finally like earns it, and it's because he mm -hmm. you know he is showing compassion for something that she has all you know the house elves something that she has always been really passionate about. Um, where you're just like, oh, he. he does deserve her mm -hmm. right he has been listening he has been listening yeah 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 and i think that like i think that i i enjoy though that like yeah i i i, I like that response from hermione because it just feels it feels real it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like just like a a plot Like, I feel like she was excited to see him and happy to see him. That would have been unrealistic. And it would have just been, like, trying to, like, create, again, another level of, like, why they're supposed to be together. Like, yeah. just kind of pushing this relationship together. And I think the reality that she was still so mad, it was significantly better. Absolutely. She doesn't do the damsel thing at all. It's like. No. And she's never. She never does. Opposite. Yeah. Because right. we also see in the fourth book. Um, their fight at the end of the Yule Ball. Where again she is reacting. With a lot of anger. When she's upset. Because Ron is giving her a hard time. For having gone to the ball with Crumb. She is basically like. Well next time you should have. You should have asked me first. Like. Yeah. There is no um there is no being upset. There's only yelling, which yeah. I totally mm -hmm. understand. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. But yeah, I think that's my one of my favorite Hermione Hermione moments. Sean, do you have a favorite? Hmm. Probably something to do with the DA. Again, because I, I think that is where you are seeing Hermione at this real sort of um like chaotic rule breaker sort of persona um and I, I I do really like her general attitude around founding the DA holding DA meetings that's some of my my favorite like Hermione time periods she's <laughs> actually becoming an organizer yeah yeah for a cause where people that's need not you. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> people ask for and need the service yeah yeah she's like coming into her own um and she's like firmly recognized as a leader by people which is cool i know i said my favorite hermione moment was related to norbert i was wrong i meant um buckbeak <laughs> Oh. oh yeah so 
I think uh, in my last reading of Harry Potter, I I really caught on to Hagrid and Hermione forming a relationship. Mm-hmm. Totally off page, aside from anything any other characters have going on. But we come to find that Hermione has been helping Hagrid research cases um, mm-hmm. to support Buckbeak's case. And that just like really struck me because it's like sweet and giving and generous and Hermione's using her strengths to try to support him, mm-hmm. even though her better sense probably tells her that it, like it's not a good thing. She's just like being a good friend. And I think that's a quintessential Hermione. I also think that even though, you know, Hagrid loves Harry and all that, I think Hermione's his favorite. I would agree. I think the off-page relationship between Hermione and Hagrid is really, really sweet. sweet. Yeah. 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 Um, What are other examples of that? I know with Grop in the fifth book. Yeah, I think, I I, I feel like Hermione just like, uh, especially during that scene, right? We know that she was helping him, but like specifically he kind of calls them boys down to be Mm -hmm. like, hey, like Hermione's been helping me a lot with Buckbeak, which is amazing. She's taking gazillion classes. She is a time turner. She's unraveling it seems. She comes here and she cries almost every single day. Like, yeah, it's not fine. You're not treating your friend fine. You're not being good friends. There's mm-hmm. also the way that he comforts her in yeah. um, Chamber of Secrets after Malfoy calls mm-hmm. her a mudblood. Like they just uh, this is actually something that I, I think is fairly well written in the books, because, again, this relationship is more implied than it is like, whereas like with yeah. we get a lot of scenes between Harry and Hagrid mm-hmm. um, there. There is a lot clearly half happening on the like peripherals with uh Hagrid and Hermione that is building a relationship between the two of them um that I do Mm -hmm. think it's very sweet yeah Yeah. agreed they're both kind of they're while they are both outsiders to the magical world yeah I think they get each other a little bit better than the others right like I think that like Harry I think feel like Hagrid feels kinship with Harry because of just like the longevity of their relationship how like Hagrid's always kind of become Hagrid is to Harry more of a like um like familial figure than anybody else that he's ever had um you know um and Hermione has family and like the but they kind of get each other I think a little bit more than the others do because they're just like constantly like put into like a box that people think that they're supposed to be in and they don't really fit Right. And I bet Hagrid didn't feel like he had to pretend to not be part giant with her. Yeah. She would have read that subtext and not. He figured that out and she wasn't surprised, right? You know, like. Mm -hmm. For more about Hagrid, see our Hagrid episode. Hagrid episode, deep dive. That's such a good one. Um, Yeah, I think, um, yeah, one of my my favorite things about. Uh, Hermione and now Buckbeak's relationship is like when she when they go see Sirius she's so excited to go greet Buckbeak yeah yeah <laughs> she like rushes right up to him to to go say hello like they both bow and then her, ha, Harry's like oh Sirius and Hermione's like fuck you Buckbeak yeah <laughs> she is all of us with a dog yeah exactly 100% she is 
Wow. Any parting thoughts on Hermione? I mean, have, her love of Crookshanks is legendary. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Like, she, homegirl, loves her cat. Her weird, weird fucking cat. Get that. I get that. For more about Crookshanks, see our pets episode. Yes. Mm -hmm. Good plug. I'm I'm grateful yeah. we barely talked about Ron this episode. Yeah, we've already talked so much Hermione. about Ron. We've already talked about him. Yeah, and we've talked about their relationship. And she yeah, is so much. much more. She is so much more than ending up with this character. I'm That's also, what I'm saying. This is her weirdest choice. I'm also <laughs> glad that we did not talk about the way she's characterized in a certain book that we will not be mentioning. <clears throat> that is not canon. Oh, and that we don't book speak of on this. That we don't speak of on this podcast. Amazing. Because out of every character, she, I think, is the one who has done the most dirty in that book. Ooh. Yeah, I have no idea. So I prefer to think of her as wherever she ended up in my head, which That's is like ruling good the world. enough. But not ruling the world because she wants to rule the world, but because she was chosen to rule the world. Do they elect democratically? I don't know. I don't Who think cares? so. No, I think you're like, because Dumbledore said he's basically been like invited to be Minister of Magic a bunch of times and he's turned it down. Because mm. mm -hmm, he knows he wants the power. Right. Bad choice. Bad choice, right? Oh, okay. interesting. Uh, Lisa, you're always teaching me things about the text of this book. <laughs> And she doesn't necessarily for. need or want the power. And so she she's doesn't want it. She it. would just be she'd be perfect for it. Wow. <sighs> what do y'all think is the biggest change Hermione would make in the Ministry of Magic? If she could do anything she wanted. Wands for goblins and elves. House elves. Oh, yes. oh, yeah. oh that's going to start a war. <laughs> freedom yeah. for house elves. You know what? But she's wow. like, she's, she's sitting in her office her. like, She's sitting in her office, like weighing the pros and cons of like inciting war. And she's like, you know what? Sometimes you need war. But the problem <laughs> is, once again, I get see our house elves episode. They don't want it. No, the house elves don't, but the goblins straight up do. Well, the they goblins, do. unfortunately, that I mean, that is basically where she's just like, I'm going to arm a coup. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know what? Get for her. Yeah, because see our goblins episode. We are a pro goblin podcast. I forgot about that episode. We like we, we like have, goblins. We have so many episodes. We have a lot. <laughs> we have a lot. We have a we've lot. Really, we've really done the thing here. We have done the thing. We've really That's done amazing. the thing. Too. We've done it justice. That's beautiful. Yeah, we did the thing. Ugh. And we're still doing the thing. We are still, still doing the thing. This but isn't like the. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, is, we'll see. We'll we'll see. Uh, um, but yeah, I feel like, yeah, I don't know. I I I think that as an adult, I. I guess where do we stand with Hermione now? Fucking love her way more. I think if you need to break a rule to follow your moral code, you should certainly do it. And the effort to uplift the people around you and get the job done. 
Unless you're moral, great. code is very questionable. Please don't. That's true. That's a different podcast. <laughs> I don't even know what to say to that. <laughs> um, I stay steadfast in my love of Hermione as well. I think that uh, I like. I don't know. I I think that she she has a lot more depth than a lot of other characters and she's she she becomes increasingly believable as a human being which i think from the ages of like 12 to 17 that's just how it works you become increasingly more believable as a human being as you get older i do wish that hermione and the female characters in harry potter and large had this space to be more flawed characters um i think she as we've spoken at length with ron i think she gives that space a little bit more to some of the male characters and i i don't think any woman in the harry potter universe has that opportunity or or we see have that kind of growth and i do think that's a little bit of a missed opportunity yeah um and, and so i because Hermione is such a fascinating character, I do wish that she had the same space that Ron has to mm-hmm. like make yeah. mistakes um, and grow from them. And we, we just really don't see that. Um, so that's, I think that's always going to be a little bit of a disappointment to me. Um, but she was a character that as a kid was incredibly important to me. Um, and I would never be able to fully dislike her for that reason and and actually having this conversation today i am reminded about all the reasons that i did love her so much growing up and like why she was important to me you know just listening to what you said here i'm wondering if the lack of depth we get and the lack of detail did make her more universal so that Mm-hmm. Miu, Miu and Lisa who were different kids in different kinds of so- social circles significantly different could relate to Hermione as like a bookish smart kid with a ton of potential I do regret that we missed out on um, character building conversations and interactions like we knew that she had friendships with other like girls Mm-hmm. in other houses because she would drop bits of gossip about them but never right. get like, into she, it yeah like she had relationships with like ernie and andy anthony goldstein that like yeah. the others didn't have you know yeah like she was like really good with people and that would have been really cool to see um but it was also i thought pretty cool to learn that she was like having a separate life and stuff like that but mm-hmm. yeah I hear you on that kind of a missed opportunity, but also kind of feels like a, a, a boy book, which might've mm-hmm. been more universal or yeah. sellable back in the nineties. I, I think yeah. that's, a, that's a good point where um, she was so universal that a lot of kids could see themselves in her. And I do think that is important. I think more as I think about these books as an adult, like I see myself more in the growth of like a Ron or a Neville 
Yeah. And the um the kind of like maybe peaks and valleys that they go through as opposed to a Hermione who stays a little bit more consistently I don't know if likable is the right word but she stays a little bit more consistently good she's infallible yeah Yeah, and I I do think that has a lot to do with the fact that like JK has said before that Hermione is very much supposed to be a kind of surrogate for her that's how she saw herself as like a as a kid um Hermione is like a character that's near and dear to her heart and I, I do sort of feel like she was unwilling to give Hermione the lows of a character like ron um because it's hard it's hard to see like um honestly write about a character that you relate a lot to right yeah that makes sense yeah i mean i feel like for nope nope it's gone again nailing it we're nailing it i think we nailed it i think we nailed it i had a good point too it was like I wasn't maybe to the best, but oh, I remember. I was gonna say, um, I think that something that I like that would have been so lovely to see is like because it's not Hermione's book, so it makes sense that we didn't get any of this. But uh, like the Harry Dumbledore mentorship, right? That happens throughout the books. Like I want more of the Hermione McGonagall mentoring. You know, yes, like I, I would have loved it. that relationship. Yes, you know? yes. Like, yes. That would have been so amazing. I've never actually stopped to think about that connection. That would be incredible. Yeah, I want more of that. Like, I, you know, because like McGonagall is absolutely who Hermione idolizes, who she wants yeah. to be when she grows up. Like, she wants to be McGonagall. She wants, because who doesn't? And that's who McGonagall sees as like, Oh, it's just oh. you out of bed this late. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. Um, and you know, she she does make the comment where she's like, you know, McGonagall's kind of like, why is it always you three? But she's like mm-hmm. charmed by them. Yeah, because she loves Hermione. She like trusts that the boys are up to good because Hermione's with them. Wow. Damn. Um. I think this conversation has made me love her more and want to pay more attention to her in rereading the books and maybe seek out some fan fiction. If you find any good fan fiction, you have to let us know. If anybody finds any good fan fiction. Um, I, I do know that Hermione Draco fan fiction is very popular. How do you pronounce that ship? I like her Mako and I like her uh, I'd like to start good. a movement for her Mako. <laughs> Sounds like an air conditioning company. <laughs> but for some um, reason they are a very popular ship. I know, and I like I don't I don't get it. No, I get it. I know I get I like I I don't I think where I don't get it is how on earth would it have happened from the events that we saw in the books? You know, it just like, doesn't feel the, yeah. I just feel like I, I love Hermione. I think that right by, by a product of the books, I think Caleb, you're absolutely right. Is like, she's a little bit more universal 
so that we do have a character that we can relate to because like man is this a book series where it is quite I feel like there, there's a lot of people who love this book across the board this isn't a boy book this isn't a like specifically like this isn't for a specific art audience except for children and here we are um mm -hmm. and but, like 33 year old <laughs> 32 I'm 32. I'm sorry. I'm back. I'm quickly approaching 33. I just turned 32. Thank I you very love much. That for you, Sean. <laughs> Youthful. Lisa, your point. I love Hermione. She's great. Yeah. Oh, no, I didn't mean that in a rude way. I meant that in an assist way. It's <laughs> me. Me, I like I like Hermione. I also understand that the faults of Hermione that are written in the book are that she's like bad at chess and like you know just like yeah. stupid shit that's like not real. Um, yeah, brooms. She doesn't understand broom magic. Right. I think for me specifically, I stand by what I said at the beginning of the episode, where because she's written in a way that I can fill in the gaps with my own things, that she feels more fleshed out to me, even though she's not. Yeah. And that's fair. Yeah. And so, Lisa, you're saying that you don't understand the Hermione oh, right. Draco pairing. Hermaco. Hermaco. No, I like, I guess I understand it. No, I don't get it, actually. I'm sorry. I don't get it. Like, I understand why, like, why, why people would want it, right? Like, we've all seen Vampire Diaries. We understand it, you know? I'm going like, to direct you to the fanfic rebuilding no, i won't be reading it chapter seven <laughs> I, there's no chance that i will read it but like i yeah mm -mm, i don't get it. i understand i understand dreary more than i understand her mako whoa oh i mean i harry draco i absolutely understand because right. enemies to lovers is a huge trope yeah I think it really came down to like as soon as she punched him in the face, I was like, oh, maybe they're going to kiss. No. Do I get that. No. Yes. Okay. Coming, I'm coming out as a as a Hermako fan. I hear this. I I'm I understand it. I just I don't understand how it would even be possible in the books. Like I like base they don't they barely interact with each other. They don't have a relationship. Like except for the one time she punches him in the face, she doesn't talk to this kid. You know? So that's why I understand Rary more than I understand her Mako. And yes, I will continue to call them her Mako. I like her Mako. I like her Mako. <laughs> um what even was the question? Uh, how do we feel about her Mako? I don't know. I'm clearly anti her Mako. I'm pro. Caleb, what are, break the tie. What are you? Um, honestly, not that interested in Hermione and Draco. It's rare that there's a there's Caleb versus Sean. I, I know. I just like don't care about them as a couple and hear me out after reading that fan fiction where she has to win over his mother and then win over his father but actually she won over the father first and then get past like the weasleys obstructing her social life um including jenny including molly 
and then get in with all the Slytherins, and then no. and then get McGonagall's approval. Like, not worth yeah. it. And like this no, took place. This took place after the war. After the war, the the war of Hogwarts. So, I honestly don't see what it's worth. If anything, they had like a horny little like you know rendezvous, but they accidentally fucked in a broom closet because they got too drunk in a party mm-hmm. once. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I don't know, but I would yeah, love to hear. I don't, what... I, I don't buy it. Why do you think it's so hot, Sean? Because we I do mean, usually would... agree on everything. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's like they're not my number one pairing for sure. I wasn't like a huge Hermione Draco shipper as a as a teenager. I just like I understand it. Because mm-hmm. again, it's like kind of like an enemies to lovers trope. Forbidden fruit type. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. 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 I don't think in the long run they makes I don't think they make as much sense in the long run as like Harry Draco, which mm-hmm. I think is actually a very powerful ship. Yeah. Right. See, yeah. and that one I get. I'm I like if I need an enemies to lovers trope in, in my life, that I'm here for the dreary one. You yeah, know? like I yeah. think dreary could actually make each other really happy. How do we get let's go back? How do we feel about Heiko? Which one is <laughs> wait, hold on, what? Heiko, Hareiko? What about Hareiko? Who are we talking about anymore? Harry and Draco. Pareko. Different episode. You, you different just episode. <laughs> you just called it. Dra- I can't keep up with your various. It's supposed to be dreary. Right, but I'm, I'm just saying. How do we feel about instead calling it Hareko? Hareko, sure. No, actually, Hareko sounds more like a Hermione Draco. Yeah, fine. I still like Hareko better though. It's still now. It sounds like a breaks company, like a breaks. <laughs> an auto company wow. we have lost the plot team <laughs> we're not Don't even talking about anymore <laughs> sounds like it's none of my business is what i say at work now my new favorite <laughs> thing to say at work is sounds like it's none of my business that's fucking funny <laughs> it doesn't help anyone <laughs> Anyway, all right. I think we, I think we can wrap this one. I'm so sweaty. There's no air moving in this room. So I'm so hot. <laughs> well, thank you all for sticking with us through oh, this. If you, did, if you did, uh, we really oh. nailed it for the first. I'm gonna say eighty percent. <sighs> That's kind. I would say sixty was fairly solid. Sixty was I'm solid. I'm gonna say eighty. This Sean, last really deteriorated. Gonna Venmo you money for the editing this one, Sean, so you can buy yourself an ice cream. <laughs> damn. Ooh. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Um. Feel free to Venmo us at no. <laughs> <laughs> we will check that social media. <laughs> We can probably. It's the only thing we respond to. <laughs> at Watch right, Harry team, Podcast. Email us. Watch your Harry Pod at gmail.com. Don't email us. We're not going to check it. Lisa, what is our Instagram, which we do occasionally check? 
at watch your harry podcast send us i don't know stuff whatever comment on stuff keep commenting on things on there i'll get back to you doesn't matter Whenever yeah. talk to us you know people follow us it just makes me feel good send us a just send us a chat you know just yeah ask you, how we're doing that'd be nice when you comment on our stuff i i send a text to the group and say someone just left us a comment and then I mean, we all no, have it a better day often, so it could happen Never. <laughs> if you wanted that'd be great just yeah oh, you guys i, to, I actually like... i meant to text you this but um, my friend Joseph, who is also listens to the pod, um, Hi, they, they were recently on another podcast and they shouted us out. <gasps> Are we about to become famous? Gonna yeah. blow up. They wow. they were like, you guys should listen to Watch Your Harry because it's really good. And I really was appreciative of that. That's, so, really, oh, sweet. that's really sweet. Thank you, what Joseph. Is, what was what's their podcast? The yeah, pod, they just... were um they were a guest on my friend Perry's podcast, which is called Goth Mom, which I've also been on. Yes, Goth Mom. Um, Goth so Mom. they they have also shouted us out before. So you guys should catch that podcast, and you should listen to uh Joseph's episode where they uh talk about Beyonce's um uh like just sort of musical history, and they're very knowledgeable mm-hmm. and they are very oh, thoughtful. I'm I love that. About to dive into that because that's my favorite shit. Yes, I will. And I will so... send it. Yeah, we're heading into spooky season, so listen to Goth Mom. Yeah, well, I will also I'll, I'll I'll tag them in our stories and stuff. But yeah, so I, I wanted to, to shout out Joseph because Joseph shouted out us. Thanks, Hell Joseph. Hell yeah, amazing. <laughs> well, that's it, team. Thanks so much. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Thank you. The Watcher Harry podcast is hosted by me, Sean Fitzpatrick, Lisa Moen, and Caleb Kelleher. Our editing is done by me, Sean Fitzpatrick, and our theme music is Dance Macabre Busy Strings by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. It's licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license.